0: Welcome to the Gate 15 podcast, where we'll be discussing all hazards homeland security threats, risks and mitigation. Today's inaugural podcast features Gate 15's Director for Threat and Risk Analysis, Dave Pounder, and our Director for Cyber Services, Jennifer Walker. We hope you enjoy this quick look back at 2019 as we peek into 2020. Read more of our insights, including ideas on blended and complex threats, at our blog from www. That gate 15 dot gate global, and follow us on Twitter at our handle at gate15analyst, that's at gate underscore the number 15 underscore analyst. Welcome to our gate 15 quick look at the key security challenges of 2019 and 2020. My name is Andy, and today I'm joined by Dave Pounder, Gate15's Director for Threat and Risk Analysis, and Jennifer Walker, our Director for Cyber Services. If you'd like to learn more about our team, please see our website at www.gate15.global. Check out our blog, and you can find all three of us on LinkedIn as well. As we strive to encourage a threat-informed and risk-based approach to Homeland Security analysis, preparedness and operations, we want to share some of our perspective with you today. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Dave, if it's okay, we'll start with you. And just sort of looking back at 2019, what are some of your key thoughts and takeaways looking at the year that was?
1: Yeah, th- thanks Andy. If you look at the physical security side, there are really two major storylines. One is hostile events and specifically we talk about active shooter situations and then the second one is the number, the escalation and the impacts of protests all around the world over uh, a number of different topics. Uh, if we look at hostile events, well the last third of the year was somewhat quiet on this front, it's easy to overlook the number and impacts that occurred during the middle part of the year. And and when we talk about that, we're specifically looking at Christchurch in New Zealand, which was followed by the Sri Lanka Easter Complex Coordinated Terrorist Attack, which were attacks that led into another wave of of ones that reached into August and early September, specifically the Gilroy Garlic Festival in California, Dayton, Ohio, and then El Paso, as well as some of the other as ones that will stand out the most but it's not really just a number of incidents but it's more so a change of approach uh, in previous years attacks were associated with or connected to international terrorist groups and it was looking at al-qaeda and uh, the Islamic state however in 2019 inspired or influence based attacks based on extremist ideology appeared to be the primary driver for these attacks individuals are becoming techniques, and are able to tap into available online resources or forms to build out well-crafted attacks. When we re- related to protests, 2019 saw a continuation in the number of protests, however, what differed was the longevity of the protests and the tendency to escalate to uh, violent activity over time. The yellow, uh, Paris Yellow Vest protests, which actually began in 2018 and carried well, into 2019, and the Hong Kong protests uh, were two of the most notable ones, and they showed how an incident could trigger the protests and then grow into a movement. Equally important is the number of, uh, is the way some of these protests have slowly escalated into violent tactics, as well as the disruptive events that they had targeting transportation hubs, as well as other commercial facility organizations. And finally, I just really want to mention the weather and natural disasters. Not that the numbers increase, but the impact over time of storms and natural disasters have uh, created more disruptive events. Storm systems and disasters such as wildfires continue to hit the same areas, impacting the environment and increasing the damage subsequent storms or events could have in a community. And when we think of those storms, the biggest obviously this year was Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas, which was only one year after um, Puerto, uh, Puerto Rico was decimated.
0: those are all three really great areas, Dave. I mean, you think back to 2017 and the series of hurricane events that we had, and it seems like it was so long ago, but we read about death and and mayhem from uh, natural hazards every day, you know, flood deaths, earthquakes. Uh, Mother Nature is still probably the most lethal uh, threat that is out there for most parts of the world, but you had a couple of really interesting points of the protest. I think a few years ago, you're sort of all fascinated by the ability of social media to help facilitate this rapid assembly of protesters, and we're still seeing that. You really hit it on the head with the, the sustainability of these protests is kind of something new. You look at something more recent, like like what's happening in Beirut, but certainly Paris with you know, recurring protests, you know, over and over again, and nothing compares to what we've seen in Hong Kong, where for over half a year now, we've seen sustained protest activity. It's really been interesting to see that it play out, and um, certainly as we go into the 2020 election season, there might be some things to, to learn from those for protesters here in the United States and to see how that uh, plays out domestically during a contentious election season. But I really think we talked about hostile events. That was such a significant portion of the story in 2019 from uh, the series of events that occurred, the way they happened. So I was in close proximity, like you said, with Gilroy, Dayton, and El Paso. And then at the end of the year, seeing the attacks in uh, New York and then in, in Texas, both focused on faith based organizations it really sort of increased the attention around these attacks. Unfortunately, it's become a very political topic. There's a lot of real issues that go along with it. And I think one of the ones we were just talking about earlier today is because some of our training activities relates to the increasing concerns about landlord liability and how it's no longer acceptable for folks just to say, hey, this was something we couldn't prevent. It was, it was just a random act of violence. People are going back and, and taking owners and operators to court and saying, hey, this is an understood threat. You should have been more prepared. You should have been able to protect people more effectively, more efficiently. And and I think the courts try to look at that and say, yeah, this this is not a threat that you didn't know about. You should have done more, you should have been ready, you should have been able to better respond. That's really an interesting change I think we've seen in 2019. Jen, let's let's go over to you on the cyber side of things. It's been a very interesting year like it always is. What are some of your key takeaways from 2019?
2: Sure, Andy. So um, singling out one or two key cyber takeaways for 2019 um, really isn't easy. Um, Also, however, keep in mind in doing so, does not in any way diminish uh, the importance of other key takeaways. But if 2019 taught us anything, it's that cyber threat actors are investing resources, time, and money into ransomware campaigns. Um, the "don't pay the ransom" mantra certainly hasn't changed. Um, you know, we're still saying be prepared, don't pay. Um, likewise, though, admittedly, it does hold true that from even from day one, we recognize that the decision to pay or not to pay. Um, really is on a case-by-case basis, even though overall, you know, be prepared, don't, don't pay. Um, however, what seemed to unfortunately almost legitimize paying ransoms in 2019 was a rise of insurance companies who began accepting claims regarding ransomware demands. Not only that, they were also on behalf of the victims, the insurance companies were actually negotiating in most cases for lower ransom, de- ransom payments with the threat actors. Um, I also want to note in regard to ransomware that gone are the days where you don't receive a valid decryption code. Um, Back in the early days, it was very common to pay the ransom and then not get anything in return. Um, Today, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can be assured of a full successful restoration when you have a valid decryption key, um, but it's not in the threat actor's actors best interest to not provide a valid key. Um, If the victim pays and doesn't get a key, Um, You know, word could spread pretty quickly about that specific campaign um, where the actor didn't provide a valid key, and that actor's business model um, pretty much turns to junk at that point. Um, You know, I think that's in part due to the fact that today we are much better at sharing information than we were three years ago when kind of this surge of ransomware started. Um, So it's certainly in the threat actor or threat group's best interest uh, to build that positive reputation for themselves in that respect. Uh, that's not to say there aren't wannabe ransomware operators out there um, who have no idea what they're doing, but that's a topic for another day.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's absolutely been the, the, the biggest story of the year. It's just a professionalization of ransomware. You know, cyber criminals have really taken their um, collaboration and their business models to new levels, and you're seeing um, really the ability to sell tactics and decent procedures, being able to more easily distribute these threats, and, and seeing more and more people capitalizing on it. You think back to a couple of years ago, we saw ransomware really gain a lot of headlines and attention. And then a lot of people were saying, hey, that threat's gone. And we're going to be looking at things like mining as, as the emerging threat and ransomware is sort of passe. But 2019 certainly told us that that's very much not the case. And we've seen it just across all industries and so very disruptive. It's been really remarkable. I think the other thing that sticks out to me a lot from this year is looking at the continued data breaches and, and even more disheartening, perhaps, is just data leaks where it's not necessarily an attacker compromising data. It's just improperly configured uh, systems that have allowed information to be left exposed online accessible to anybody that might stumble upon or be looking for it and uh, that's been a constant frustration week in and week out one organization after the other where we've seen that sort of exposure and compromise of sometimes you know personally identifiable information and other sense of information so with, with 2019 in the rear view mirror um we, we heard some some significant challenges we experienced there let's go back to you dave and look at 2020 do you see the threats changing, evolving, what do you think's ahead of us?
1: Yeah, unfortunately I think it's gonna be a lot of, of the same, but what's important to point out is the variations that are gonna occur. Um, I, I think 2019 was a wake-up call to a lot of people to, and organizations, frankly, to say, hey, this can happen to us. We're no longer around a protective hub. Uh, or isolated, these these can just as well as happen to a faith-based organization as it could to a government facility or or any type of other uh, location. And so uh, I, I really feel like it's gonna be people need to understand that there are gonna be some variations as security teams change and as security teams continue to update their protocols and their organizational responsibilities. There's also gonna be uh, some variations in the way that the, the, the threat actors adjust to that. And so I feel that the hate groups and attackers will see the impacts of 2019 and feel that they can do much more of the same moving forward. Even if the number of casualties are not to the same level a man with a mask and a machete can still go into a location and create chaos and fear. It doesn't have to have uh, heavy equipment and uh, weapons and, and explosives, kind of like what happened in New York at the end of 2019. So the, the names may stay the same and you're still gonna see Al-Qaeda and Islamic State or, or pick a, a extremist group, but, but they won't be the ones carrying out the attacks. Mm-hmm. Individuals or groups rooted in various ideology will learn from the lessons of others and be inspired by the attacks and the larger groups to take action. And the same kind of goes for protests and demonstrations. They, they were extremely successful in 2019. Not that protests and demonstrations haven't been successful in the past, but I think we really, with the Hong Kong protests have, have served to inspire many. And so with hot button items such as climate control or climate change and political corruption accusations that are occurring every part all parts of the world, And the upcoming elections, we should expect more heading into 2020 as we get into the year. The question will be centered around the government response or the organizational response to these protesters should they continue on weeks and months. I think, again, Hong Kong is is serving as an example of this is going on in real time. Uh, The flip side of that will be that it could feed into what some feel is a general distrust in big business and government in the first place. So it's going to be a delicate balance in allowing the protests to peacefully demonstrate as well as ensuring that disruption to business activity is kept to a minimal level.
0: That's really interesting thoughts there, Dave. You know, as we look back, sometimes we forget even just recent history. And so it's not like small groups and individuals and extremists haven't been threats domestically in the past. We've seen that in explosions and strikes, even things like the Unabomber. We've, We've seen a variety of threat actors here in the United States. But I think in recent years, really sort of the push from Al-Qaeda out uh, to these other groups has really taken hold, like you said, where it's not top-down directed, but it's individuals being inspired and motivated and doing things independently. And it's across all sorts of ideologies, just with the, again, the faith-based attacks in December, we saw a group emerge that really hadn't gotten a lot of attention or been much of a, a concern for most folks, and now an ideology um, that's being identified with two attacks in New Jersey and New York. That's a concern. And, and the ability for individuals to, to get motivated, to radicalize themselves based on any extremist belief, to access manifestos and be inspired by things like Christchurch. Um, we're seeing that more and more. So I think, I think you really nailed that. I think as we look to the protest issue, that's one of the great challenges, the potential convergence of those two threats. DHS has put a lot of work into preparing organizations for mass gatherings and crowded places. And with the election season, with protests, with rallies, uh, that creates an interesting footprint for the adversary and um, that's a real challenge it requires a lot of coordination from protest and demonstration organizers to the public sector partners to those who have presence in those areas so it's really interesting challenge to move into 2020 to, to understand and mitigate the threats and risks associated with those activities so some really interesting points moving to move into the new year and Jen as you look at the cybersecurity side again we've got uh, some really interesting lessons learned for 2019. As with Dave do you see things uh, growing from where they are, changing, new directions, new threats? What do you think we look like in 2020?
2: So uh, absolutely, absolutely, actually very similar to, uh, to Dave's outlook. Um, you know, with that review of the past, our, we, I think our top cyber trend for 2020 um, is relatively kind of unchanged. Um, again, I, sh- I want to stress that this doesn't mean to treat other threats with less importance, but if you haven't addressed this threat by now, uh, not only is it not too late, but I think a failure to address it um, in 2020 could be, you know, disastrous, uh, similar to what you both alluded to about, um, you know, with the physical threats, um, you know, and taking uh, landowners lo- land to court, or landlords to court. Um, it's the same thing. You knew this threat existed. So ignorance is not a defense. Um, so without further ado, I think this year, the winner is more ransomware. Um, it's You alluded to it, Andy, it looked like ransomware was going to take a backseat to other threats in 2019, but obviously that wasn't the case. Um, as such, many organizations were once again caught unprepared, um, and again, you alluded to as well, you, you kind of made all my points, but ransomware is serious business, and, and I don't mean that as an idiom. Ransomware, as you said, is a business, um, and if the shadows of ransomware remain unaltered in the future, uh, many more organizations will fall victim and further legitimize the ransomware economy. Um, We are expecting more targeted ransomware attacks, um, and actors will keep investing um, in advancing this threat. Um, And as organizations, we need to be investing even more in ransomware protection um, than the actors are in the attack campaigns. Um, You know, while our top concern and the protection is, you know, focused on protecting from ransomware, even uh, enhancing and addressing those protections against ransomware actually go a long way for overall, your overall cybersecurity posture. Um, You know, fortunately, there are lots of great no-cost resources from government and private, you know, uh, entities alike to help increase cyber resilience. Um, You can check out our website, um, as we mentioned before, for a lot of those resources. Um, And I even had the privilege um, for writing a best practice document for one of our close information sharing partners at Water ISAC. Um, But the the document itself is really relevant for all organizations, regardless of business type. Um, And finally, we have the benefit more so today than we did three years ago. Um, We are sharing information, so keep sharing. Um, the bad guys do share information, and it's imperative that we do
0: it better. Yeah, you really you make a great point there, John. I don't know if the threat's really going to change so much as it might continue to evolve. And we've seen that, I think, across all threats, right? DDoS attacks have changed over time. Uh, new, new approach is more powerful. And I think with ransomware, a term that I think we've seen more in, in recent weeks has been been interesting is the idea of disruption, where we're not necessarily just be taking your data uh, hostage and threatening to either... Uh, public release it or or not give it back to you but we've seen it show up in hospitals where where patients have to be turned away because they couldn't be received by the organization i think we're more likely as more and more uh, facilities become more and more online uh, we're going to see more opportunities for the adversary to hold other parts of the business for ransom for extortion purposes and really disrupt business operations and that's going to be a challenge that i'm not 100 sure businesses are fully prepared for we talk a lot about that uh, on our blog and elsewhere regarding blended threats and complex threats. And I think we're continuing to see that progression towards that environment where that that theoretical divide between cyber and physical really doesn't exist. And, and things are becoming more blended, more intertwined. And that ransomware disruption where a threat is only gonna be increasing as we move to 2020 and beyond. And you made a really good point with sort of the liability point. I think it's um, for lack of a better way to say it that the modern day ambulance chaser seems to have found cybersecurity is a really tempting and intriguing area to, to operate in. And so we're seeing lawsuits um, almost, I mean, the next day after some of these data breaches where on physical security side, there's a little bit more of a lag, I think due to personal harm and injury, but with, with the data breaches and other things, we're seeing lawsuits come immediately um, against organizations. And that's a challenge that organizations to be ready for, to think through and be prepared for, because uh, that's not gonna get uh, any less likely moving forward. So some really great points, guys. Thank you for your thoughts on 2019, on 2020 where we've been and where we're going. I think we'll wrap it up there. We hope you've enjoyed today's discussion and wish you a very safe and secure 2020. Thank you very much, have a great day.